And welcome to Elite Week, where the party never stops. This is whoo, Elite Week, episode 74, well thought out, exclamation point, slash question mark. Galactic Water Cooler, Friday, April 30th, 2021. I am your host, Kai Zen, and let me tell you something. I am enjoying some Ornita Salsa Blanca tequila in my left hand, and I've got a bottle of dragon's milk in my right hand that seems a little light it might have been defective i'll reload soon don't you worry but it's going to be one of those shows all right we've got with us uh we've got the xo of the dark wheel commander wolf dragon say hi wolf hey hey everyone awesome friday night hope everyone's having a good we also have with us tonight commander roy wilson say hi roy uh happy friday everyone glad you're all here to hang out with us i think we've got a lot of good stuff to talk about hell yes and the tactical officer tweak 74 say what up happy friday night ladies and gentlemen commanders all around the galaxy friday night once again we've got some fun conversations in store tonight absolutely your commander console main man with the truth in his right hand is here we also have our special guest, Commander I Flip It a Switch from Algareb AM Radio. Say hi, Commander. How's everybody doing out there in wonderful internet land? Thank you guys for having me, by the way. Absolutely, Switch. We're glad that you were able to come. Check out Algareb Radio. We're going to get to that in just a minute, but that is good shit. And everybody pronounces it Algareb, but it's spelled A L G O R. A B, right? Yeah. Algorab, but everybody says Algareb. So just just wanted to put point that out. All right. So let's get started with this. Right off the bat, with our introductions, what's everybody drinking? Roy, I said mine already. What are you drinking tonight? I'm doing a nice California cab this evening. All right, very mellow. What you drinking, Wolf? I have Devil's Backbones Schwarzbier. Ah, very nice. We have face of making you drink. Uh, let me ask out of the out of the blue, Tweet. What kind of coffee are you drinking tonight, brother? Uh, tonight I'm drinking an actual blueberry cobbler flavored coffee with some French vanilla creamer added to it, but no alcohol because out of the whole group, I may be the only sober one by the end of the show. That's true, but guess what? That sounds delicious. What you're drinking sounds like fucking dessert in a cup, bro. <laughs> what you drinking? Uh, what you drinking? Switch. I am having a Tin Barrel Brewing Company's Hazy Trail Juicy IPA, and it is delicious. Nice. But, that co- but that coffee selection, though, I gotta say that also sounds delicious. <laughs> right? It does. It makes me want to like. I'm, I wish I had three hands. Like I, 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 I totally dig that. As I always say. If you've got a cool beer and a spaceship, 
What's not to like? Right off the bat, the opening song was, that was the Chili Peppers All-Star Mashup by Pomplemousse. The closing song is gonna be Everything I Wanted by Mario Jose. And our cover art this week was, this totally was well thought out. I wanna give a huge, huge salute to and a fond remembrance on the passing of Major General Michael Collins. We're talking about a United States Air Force F-86 Sabre fighter pilot who then became a test pilot and flew everything all the way up to the Starlifter until he was recruited into NASA, the astronaut program, to become a, a pilot under the Gemini Project. He was the official pilot of Gemini 10, that mission being the first to accomplish a double rendezvous in space, and he was the first man to EVA from one ship to another on that mission. He used a 50-foot tether to cross over to the Agena target vehicle, the ATV, from Gemini 8. He is probably best remembered as the pilot of the command module on Apollo 11, where he earned the distinction of the loneliest man on Earth at the time when he was on the far side of the moon and separated from his other two crew members, Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin, who were down on the lunar surface, and obviously separated from the entire rest of the population on the Earth. He later became the Assistant Secretary of State for Public Affairs, and then Director of the National Air and Space Museum. Then he was a longtime uh, trustee, and then trustee emeritus of the National Geographic Society, he passed away this week on April 28th. Godspeed, you steely-eyed rocket man. Fucking American hero right there. World treasure. Absolutely. Badass motherfucker. Also, condolences to multiple people in the Elite Week Discord community who I will not name out of respect for their right to privacy, but who have told me of the passing of loved ones in the last couple of weeks. We've had, yeah, a, a rough time for a couple people, and I just kind of want to let you know that our thoughts and prayers are with you. And we love you. This week of Alpha 4, less than three weeks away until Odyssey launch. Also this week, the Federation wants you to join the Stasi. They want you to get all up in everybody's business. And David Bradman explains why science is important. Also, Bergerant asks, what kind of man are you? All this and more, so stay tuned. If you're listening to us on the podcast and would like to see the live show and visuals, check us out on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash Elite Week and on Twitch at twitch.tv forward slash Elite Week. If you're watching us on YouTube or Twitch and would like to know how to catch us on our podcast, check out anchor.fm forward slash Elite Week. For sending us your thoughts by email, you can reach us at eliteweek3306 at gmail.com. Our very active and growing Elite Week Discord can be found at tinyurl.com forward slash Elite Week Discord, where you can check out or contribute to community feedback, resources on turning the wheel, and real-time updates about Elite from a variety of content creators. In addition to the Discord community feedback channel, feel free to write in our YouTube comments anything about the topic of the week, as well as anything else you'd like to share. We'd love to hear from you. Also, if you're enjoying the show on YouTube, please make sure to like and subscribe and click on the bell. It really helps us out. On Twitch, a follow would be much appreciated. If you're on Twitter, feel free to follow at EliteWeek3306 for news and information about Elite Dangerous and cool sci-fi and space news. We record live on YouTube every Friday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. That's 1 a.m. UTC, so come and join in on the fun. If you're listening to us on the podcast, please make sure to rate and review us on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever platform you use. And let us know if there's a format you want us to look into. 
we don't do Patreon, so save your money and just tell your friends about the show. Uh, heads up, I forgot to call out. I just want to call out real quick. Our producer tonight, our tech monkey, live on the air, putting it out there, is Controladon. What's up, brother? It is another Friday, and yeah, it's going to be an awesome show. And to all sweets out there, Glad Vol Boy, enjoy yourself. Yes, I always say Glad Vol Boy to most people that I meet, and now I know why. So that makes sense. Cool. Uh, our graphics producer is Swordsmith. Our executive producer is Wolf Dragon, and our podcast editor is Mono Hive. I hear that Mono Hive is actually feeling much better, and he did get us uh, done a, a Roy story for this week. So I'm so glad to hear that he's doing better, and we hope that you continue to do better with that shit, man. All right, I want to take a brief moment out. I don't want to like lower anything too, too much, but I got to say this. <clears throat> I'm a human being, and I do the show drunk. So that tends to lead to mistakes that happen. I got word the other day from a friend that I very much respect and admire and I trust his judgment. And he said, hey, man, I think you kind of crossed the line with some rhetoric lately and you kind of are putting it in a bad spot and it, it, it bums me out a little. And I just want to acknowledge that and say that as a guy who does it so drunk, I probably do fuck up a good bit. But if my rhetoric is no. I don't want to say that. That's a that right there is some bullshit where like you 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 cover it with if I did something then blah blah blah. Like I don't want to say that. I clearly crossed the line because somebody that I respect told me that I crossed the line. I just want to say that I'm sorry for that and I'm going to try to sort of lower the rhetoric a little bit here so that it, it, it's not like over the line. Just wanted to start the show real quick and say that I need to acknowledge it on the air. I feel it's very important as a man when you fuck up to admit it, try to do better and move on as opposed to just sort of be an asshole and deny and be like, no fake news you're wrong i'm right like eh, don't be that guy nobody likes that guy all right so sorry after that bit of weirdness we're gonna transition i want to start with our guest interview i flip it a switch from radio al go reb and that is a l g o r a b radio al go reb you can find him on twitch at twitch.tv forward slash i f l i p p a underscore d a s w i t c h all one big word other than that underscore on YouTube at A L G O R A B A M, you know, space A M. Look at just put that in there and look it up. We have the link to the actual YouTube in the thing, but it's like a long incomprehensible code. His podcast, you can find it under Algorab A M everywhere. I get it on iTunes. I'm sure you can get it everywhere else. So it's A L G O R A B space A M. And his Twitter is at A-L-G-O-R-A-B-A-M, all one word. What up, Switch? How you doing, brother? Doing pretty good, man. It's uh, It's been a long week, but we finally got here, and now I get to do... I get to be on one of my favorite parts of the week, which is Elite Week. So that's, that's pretty awesome. Thank you. That's very, very kind of you to say. I'm sure that the alcohol and the money and the strippers that we sent you did not in any way influence that statement. Well, the strippers never showed, but I appreciate the alcohol. I, I, I'm I, sorry. I thought that Roy and Tweaked were going to be there in banana hammocks at your door earlier today. I guess they didn't. Uh, you know, it's hard to get good help. So let's talk real quick about Algoreb AM. So tell me a little bit about the project, the show. I mean, I listen every week. Uh, 
and and you know we've talked about it i i actually appeared as a interview e of yours a little bit back but um let's talk about a little bit about algorab am what what you do where you're going what's going on with with the project so the show came about because i came into the game hardcore space trucking i started playing elite uh right at the like i guess you say the tip of the iceberg when it came to lockdown and i just needed something to take my mind off of things and so i just i just started space trucking i started working my way up and you know was just cruising the space with space lanes and everything and i found myself listening to a lot of music and stuff uh while i was going and then i ended up transitioning to podcasts and so it really felt like i was actually like like space trucking like i'm sitting here listening to like a talk show while I'm delivering goods all over the galaxy. So it gave me the idea of creating like a AM radio style show set in the elite universe to kind of, you know, be the the voice in the void while you're out there, you know, space trucking or maybe you're mining or I don't know, blasting Thargoids, you know, whatever it is that you're doing the past the time. And it really kind of evolved. Now at this point, there's a whole narrative space opera you know i didn't realize how far in over my head i was when we started uh writing it and producing it and luckily i also have the good fortune of having uh mono hive help me out with the video the audio editing and things like that because that guy is an audio wizard as i refer to him now at this point we're just making a lot of different content just like trying different stuff whether it's you know interviews with other commanders more narrative style projects we're just trying to put a like a, a creative spin in the elite universe you know outside of what's being you know provided to us by places like fdev and other outlets you know what i mean kind of our own spin on what we see going on out there in elite right on i dig that i dig that and so with your narrative that you're talking about here just to sort of give it a little more clarification you're basically doing this very cool radio play about a guy who is like time traveling and like it's 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 like a lot of great stories where here's a guy who is in this weird situation doesn't quite know how to control it he's not it's not like oh i am in control of all of this and i'm rocking it he's just flying by the seat of his pants and trying to survive and i i i kind of dig that story man it's really good and i suggest anybody who jumps in and you might be like at a point where you're like okay i'm gonna start listening to the very first episode and you're like this story doesn't make any sense well imagine if you jump into a book on chapter six Six. How much sense is it going to make? Go back. They're there. Pull up the previous episodes. It's, you know, with Elite, we're all in a situation where we spend so many hours flying around in space. Pull up the back catalog. Start all the way back at the beginning. Play through them. You're going to get a chunk of like, here's some story. Here's a, here's a chapter of this book. And then here's an interview. Here's a chapter of this book. And here's a discussion. Here's a chapter of this book. And here's a whatever. Go through them all and it'll make more sense. It's, it's really, really good stuff. There's a couple of points in that story that I personally resonated with where I was like, holy shit, the part where he sees himself, I'm not gonna, I won't say anymore, but like, holy shit, that was cool. So one of the things, one of the things that was the impetus of taking the time travel route was at one point, you know, getting really deep into Elite, I started looking back at like, I, I guess you would call it the lore, but really it's like, you know, the, the timeline of Elite. And there's a lot of cool stuff that has happened in the, you know, the history of the Elite universe. And I was like, man, what's a good way to like highlight that? That isn't just me sitting here being like, well, today, kids, we're going to talk about the first Thargoid encounter, you know, like doing it like that. And basically, when you're writing fiction, the hardest thing to do is write about time travel. But the most freeing thing to do is to write about time travel, because as long as you know where you're going, essentially, 
usually encounter anything. So I just decided that with this incredibly dumb ass scout was going to be able to travel through time. And uh, because of that, we get to see all kinds of cool, uh, I guess, listen to, you know, through the mind's eye, see mm -hmm. a lot of really cool moments in elite history. So there's a lot of cool stuff in there. And I don't want to, you know, I don't want to put the cart before the horse, but it's definitely worth you know listening to and that's not just coming from the guy that that wrote it but yeah it's a i think it's a pretty good story and you know it's so it's got a little something for everybody in there very cool so everybody that's listening to the show go and subscribe to algoreb am either on the podcast version or the youtube version whichever it is that you're more comfortable with maybe both whatever porcano los dos you know, sometimes you listen to it in the car. Sometimes you listen to it when you're in Super Cruise out to Hutton Orbital. But either which way, check it out. It is good shit. All right, Switch. Hang with us as we go through our tour through the galaxy. You ready? Hell yes. Let's hit some tequila on that note. And let's start right off the bat with the Dark Wheel Update. It's the Dark Wheel Update. We uh, won our invasion war in um, Nine Puppies. We got uh, Mew Hercules all locked down. We are rising fast, actually, some would say meteorically in Nine Puppies and ready to rock and roll. Wolf, why don't you hop in on this and expand a little? Yeah, we uh, we got the last invasion squared away in 86 Mew Hercules. That was awesome. And then we also had the invasion war to fight in Nine Puppies, which we won handily and have been shooting straight to the top. We bypassed... Uh, couple of factions on the way because they were in the middle of a war themselves and now we are pending election starting tomorrow with Ralu independence not only control of Puppis but for Fugal Horizons the only large station that's not on the system alright Wolf is lagging just a little bit there he's having some storm issues as I said but uh, basically what he just said is we're starting our first uh, campaign to take over a station so we will for sure be in control of a station soon we'll see if that grants a permit or not and we will absolutely at that point continue to rise to dominance in the nine puppies because who doesn't love puppies and then we will shape our jump towards LFT 509. See what happens at that point. Tons of people in the squad have been getting it done. People from the Black Sky Legion, which is BSL-1 and on Inara, the squadron, and also the group on the Elite Week Discord, as well as the Rabbit Hamster Assault Force, the people that are working the orders, the general orders directly from the Elite Week Discord, people that are working the orders from all of the different squadrons or uh, discords that repost the Elite Week Discord standing orders, and the people from the Frontier Forums who are working the orders. Big salute to all of you guys. We're getting it done. We are very, very close to wrapping up phase three of this experiment, and we're excited to see what happens. That takes us to the start of our coverage of different uh, content creators for uh, some content creators for this week in the show. Right off the bat, I want to give a huge shout out to Burger Ant, the best ant in Elite Dangerous. Definitely the funniest. 
Fight me if you disagree. What type of elite dangerous player are you? It's a three minute long video that was fucking hilarious. His coverage of all the different types, I definitely found myself on two or three of those lists and was like, holy shit. Um, apparently I am not an elite dangerous content creator though because I still play the game. Uh -huh. In addition to that, he did another hilarious video, Ghost Ships, What Really Happened? That was absolutely amazeballs. We also have Rendo Powell's. This guy has put out videos, this was some time ago, but he put out a amazing sort of series of different ship videos. He's got the Imperial Cutter, Beluga Liner, the Federal Corvette, and his stuff was highlighted on the Frontier stream on Thursday. Phenomenal, phenomenal uh, videos. So I just wanted to give a big shout out to that. And that takes us to Tweak's Console Corner. Take it away, Tweak. Console-wise, I hit a conundrum. The first of its kind in my multi-thousand-hour commander career this, this week. I hopped in my cockpit, loaded the game up, sitting there in my ship, and went to go plot a course, and I couldn't figure out where to go. So I went through all our stuff. I was like, well, go do some PGS, but that's not really doing it for me. And I couldn't find anything that fanned the fire to play the game. And I have to say, that's the first for me ever playing this game. I've never struggled to find something to do here. As we've said before, if you can't find something to do in Elite, it's probably a you problem, not an it problem because there is so much cool shit in this game. I think the problem for me personally, and I would venture a guess that I am far, far from the only one, is that a long time ago, we were told a time frame, and a lot of us planned on having new content at this point in time. So some of us went out and did everything we needed to do in order to be ready for that. And now we are at a point where we're scratching our head, wondering what in the world we can do. So uh, that being said, I hopped in my crate Phantom. I went out to the shards. I filled up on all my raw mat and I'm gonna spend some time patrolling Desiat, trying to protect all the new players out there. But I, I just want to let all you commanders know, I know there's a lot of people out there that are having a hard time staying motivated in the game, and you're not alone. But the game is still great. It is still here, and good things are coming. And we'll be talking about some of those good things in a little while. So keep your heads up, keep on flying, and we will get through this little dry spell. Absolutely. Big respect, much love, and respect to all of our console brothers brother and sister commanders and keep on trucking out there all right we also had this week uh, an article was released a pc gamer article on the elite dangerous pilot that completed an 85,000 light year voyage without a fuel scoop commander kaboom i mean yeah it's a thing that he did he put enough fuel tanks and uh optional internals on a uh uh, Anaconda, Jumpaconda to make it have a 10,000 light year jump range with a fuel tank, full tank. He plotted the most economical route and he plotted trips from fleet carrier to fleet carrier. I don't know what else to say. I mean, I feel like on the one hand, like salute, whatever, you're doing your thing. At the other hand, it's kind of like, okay, I can fly from, from the bubble to Salome's Reach in a stock sidewinder with no fuel scoop if i just hop on a fleet carrier and have it jump out there like it's kind of like eh. guys uh, does anybody have anything they want to add onto this or like somebody back me up here what am i crazy and switch go ahead am i crazy and like thinking that this is kind of like yeah 
I guess it would be like emerging gameplay is the way that you would want to put it. That that's a nice way of putting it, of saying people getting bored enough to just come up with a task, like to come up with with, with a challenge. Gotcha. And and I think that's that's really what it is. Is it comes down to at some point the person sitting there and being like, I wonder if I could do this. Yeah. And then they you know they workshop it a little bit and they check out some stuff and then after a while it's like, well, I could give it a try and then they they do it and you know had this guy failed, he never would have posted it on Reddit or anything like that and we wouldn't have known, but since he did make it, he's like, "Oh snap, this is cool. I want to share this with somebody." So, I think that's pretty cool though. At least he sat down and thought about it and was like, "I'm going to give it a shot." Fair enough. Tweet yeah, I kind of had the same feeling you did, I think, Kai. I read that article, I was like, without a fuel scoop, how the hell did he pull that off? And then I read it, and it was like, well, he went from fleet care to fleet care. And I thought to myself, I said, well, I guess on one hand, it's kind of difficult to fly all the way from carrier to carrier without a fuel scoop. But on on the other hand of that, is it really a big deal? I mean, anybody could really fly from fleet carrier to fleet carrier across the galaxy. It's yep. the determination to take the time to do it. That's a whole nother thing, and props to him for that. So, Root, Roy? <laughs> We're going to work through all the permutations possible with my name this year. <laughs> uh, one thing I think that uh, would be interesting to look at, and I haven't done this, I just quickly pulled up uh, the in, the interactive map from EDS Dramatrics uh, and the DSSA carrier overlay. Mm -hmm. uh, I think a, a big factor in whether this was a serious uh, planning and logistical feat versus something else is uh, it, it, it just from a glance, and I don't know what his exact route was, but the average distance between DSSA carriers, it looks like it varies. I'm just really eyeballing this. If I was to compare it to the distance between the bubble and Colonia, um, the average distance looks to be anywhere from like uh, an eighth to a half of that distance. Um, so it, it varies from what might be like the width of the bubble to half the way to Colonia, depending on which ones you're jumping between. Um, and if that's the case, I don't, I don't think you could do it in a sidewinder, even if you were going from carrier to carrier. So it, I wish they'd spent a bit more time in the, in the story on um, sort of the logistics and engineering aspect of it, of like, how hard is this actually? And what did they have to do to, to make it possible? And is, is this something you could do in any ship or you, you literally needed the longest jump conda on economical routes to even make this possible. So I, I think it's I think in the spirit of exploration, I'm, I'm I'd love the exploration loop. I think it's a cool cool story, and I think there might be more to this than than just it. it I wouldn't brush it off so quickly just to say, well, it's just from carrier to carrier. I think it could actually have been harder than we're than we're thinking. All right, that takes us to the Scott Gus channel. I've talked to you guys about it briefly, and we've highlighted it for the last couple of weeks. Those of you watching the screen right now for the last couple minutes, uh, you're seeing a video uh, footage from the Scott Gust channel. I want to call out this guy's channel because he's got a decent amount of viewers, but nowhere near enough. It is criminal how how low uh, his his viewership is compared to the quality of the content that he's putting out. He's got a good amount, but he deserves more. He has been killing it throughout this entire alpha. I highlighted like five of his videos specifically that I wanted people to check out. You've got end of alpha four, uh, new ship uh, textures and improved lighting uh, and spectacular cliff world. You've got elite dangerous odyssey, new planet tech showcase from the FDEV live stream. Alpha three exploring around Quarno 4A descent into mudness. He went to this one channel where it's like 
it's legit like mud in this whatever it's all it's black and he he, he looks like he's sort of sliding around a little bit it's mud it's crazy uh <clears throat> alpha phase three return to hip 10 b2 the trick and tricking evil minions and alpha three atmospheric desert worlds he has got so much more phenomenal phenomenal stuff take a moment out the links are all going to be in the show notes after the show you know gets the notes get posted go check out his stuff this guy needs a lot more follow got something on that roy yeah i i was really impressed with the locations i mean that that he found and obviously his skill at cinematography um i'd been getting a bit I don't know if disillusioned is the right word, bummed about the lack of the wow of new planetary textures and stuff in the alpha. And uh, to the point where I was starting to get a bit less than excited about a, an expedition I'm thinking about doing afterwards during Odyssey. And this sort of restored my faith, <laughs> honestly, in, in the kind of cool things he's found, even with the limitations of the current build uh, of the alpha with these these textures and stuff. Absolutely. And continuing on the trend, and this is ridiculous, of people that do not get enough attention for putting out some really good content. Commander, his, his, his YouTube channel is enigmatic, and I'm going to spell that for you because it's elite speak, sort of. It's 3N1GM4... T I C Commander 3N1GM4TIC and Roy is posting it in the uh in the uh Twitch channel as we speak. I'm gonna post it right now in the uh, YouTube. This guy has got like eight subscribe like I'm not joking, eight subscribers as of yesterday when I looked. Uh it was it's ridiculous. And he put out a video that I have linked in the show notes. You should check out. The music is amazing. The SRV driving is amazing. The cinematography and the uh, sort of the whole way that he went about putting it out. Fucking top notch and eight subs as of yesterday. I told him we were going to post him on the show tonight and we were going to boost that. Now, look, you guys hear me every week talk about commander burr and his amazing stuff commander down to earth astronomy and his amazing stuff and different things of the big guys tonight i wanted to do a little something and pull out some of the littler guys that sort of don't get the love and try to shine a spotlight on them because they're putting out amazing content in the youtube chat right now the second link that i just posted is to the video that you're watching from scott gust go subscribe to both of those channels because they are fucking awesome as well as uh, of course you know burger ant but i mean he's got great uh subs already and as he always says subscribe or don't i don't fucking care i love that guy dude he is hilarious he he, he makes me uh you know he, he he makes me smile every goddamn week that takes us to our next segment which uh is going to be put on by wolf talking about some galnet bots that we have on the elite week discord and they're amazing wolf take it away yeah let's hope my connection stays a little more stable this time okay five by five 
we have found two bots for uh, for Discord. One is Elite Dangerous News. The other is Galnet News. What this author, the alien Drew, did is absolutely fantastic. If you go to the official Galnet page and you go to the official Elite Dangerous News pages, there's a header image, all the text, everything. He grabs those, puts them into a very well-formatted post, provides links back to the original post, archives, everything. They are 100% the best news bots that we have found and they work flawlessly and they are very simple to set up <clears throat> on your Discord server. So we have right now in the chat, I posted in YouTube and Roy posted in Twitch, the Alien Drew GitHub page and you got to know how GitHub works and all that shit. But I mean, anybody can do it so long as you're not an idiot. Of course, leaves me out. I have Wolf do it for me on our Discord, but um, it's good stuff. The first time I looked at it, I was like, this is great. I really like it. I like the art. I like the format layout. The only thing is he didn't provide a link. And then I noticed, hey, wait, the title of the post is underlined and I clicked on it. Sure enough, it was a hyperlink that takes you right to the actual just um, it's the best formatted Galnet and YouTube or not YouTube uh, Frontier like sort of official their news announcements about their 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 development stuff that you will find so uh the link that they provided is the alien drews github.io page so you can get to his regular github with code if you want to put the bot on your own and run it he's got buttons that just do auto connect links and they bring the bots to you so you don't have to be all into the coding and everything to make this work it is almost as easy as point and click uh, beautiful well couple, couple commands you got to give once once in the server as an admin but as far as bots go this is the easy the, these two are the easiest i've ever used good deal and flip or switch you had a thing on that on the bots yeah i just think it's uh, i've been uh tooling around in a couple of different discords um you know working with other communities and other squadrons and stuff like that in the past uh, week or so and i've seen a lot of these different bots floating around as far as like stuff pulling news from galnet and stuff pulling news from uh like updates from minara and things like that and i have to say that it's a it's a testament not only to the ingenuity of just pe people on the internet because you know that's a that's always going to be a thing but just how when people find a issue especially like with trying to disseminate news in elite to their community their individual communities in discord how they're just like you know what i'm gonna find a solution to this and then they find a way to you know to put it where the the lion's share of their people are which if we're being honest in 2021 is on discord so just you know hats off to the community to the people that are out there seeing a like seeing a need and feeling that need so that takes us to our next segment every week we have a reoccurring segment which is your moment of braben this one is brought to you from games kong 2016 so it's five years old this is an interview on the importance of scientific accuracy so looking at the clip we're going to watch it and then go around the horn and discuss things that we found that match or do not match that sentiment go ahead and play it control so we're going to talk about the science of elite dangerous now and elite dangerous has presented such a wonderful opportunity to explore what what the galaxy what the science is really like and to get across all sorts of wonderful elements of it i mean people have heard endlessly that we've got a huge galaxy with 400 billion star systems and you know some people have said it should be 300 billion star systems for example but 
Um, the beauty with science is you have to go on the best theories. And if you look at observations of, um, of the galaxy uh, and the, the total mass of it, the figure we came up with was much closer to 400 billion when we tried simulating it. But this is the beauty with science, an exciting thing with science. But the point is you can visit all those systems, as a lot of people have. Um, I find absolutely amazing that it's a tiny fraction of 1% of the star systems have been visited by players. And that's after we've been, you know, more than 18 months now um, live in the world. There is, the galaxy is so prodigiously big and so full of interesting things yet, you know, yet to be seen by people. Um, the game's been around for a long time. We've got 2.2 coming um, in not too long now, um, which obviously we're all excited about. And I think the um, just talking about that, you know, the, the galaxy, one of the um, frustrations for me from a science point of view is we haven't done all the things we can do in the science and we're improving it all the time. So for 2.2, we have white dwarfs, we have neutron stars, much better represented. We've been a lot of, done a lot of modeling of the, the magnetic fields, um, something called synchrotron radiation, which is accelerating jets out from the interaction between the magnetic uh, pole and the rotational pole. So if I sort of animate it, you actually have something like a spinning top going around. And that causes particles to jet out uh, and it looks very different depending on the individual star. And it's trying to get the, the variation, you know, when you sort of you, you come out of supercruise, you see the different stars. I actually find um, white dwarfs quite dangerous because you don't realise just how close you are to them and for a, a few seconds, a few dangerous seconds. So those sort of things, they, they look different. They, of course, um, there's much more variation to them. There's the, the discovery effect of them. But with all of these things as well, it's how they affect gameplay, how they affect the sort of feeling of geography, the sense of where you are. And there are a lot of things as well coming, you know, that um, I've talked about the galaxy and, and dust and uh, the sort of the genuine science that we've been doing that when we put together the galaxy, it was way too bright. So we've had to add lots and lots of dust, which you can see in the, in the sky as you fly around. And <clears throat> that dust dims the galactic core and also dims the whole galaxy and gives a distant perspective, where, depending on where you are above and below the galactic plane. Um, but that's a lot more than I think science suggests should be there. So it, it, our galaxy is evolving, but it's evolving based on the science, but creates a wonderfully rich backdrop People have asked me, why bother with scientific accuracy? And I'm sure they have a point. Uh, it, scientific accuracy really matters to me. But it, I know it matters to a lot of other people as well. It's, it's like the difference between a, a fantasy or a fictional story where there's no grounding in reality or to one where the setting might be the Second World War or might be the, you know, it might be some historical event that has meaning, even though elements of it are crafted above that as, as fiction. And I think, so for me, for me personally, it makes a big difference, but I think it also doesn't hurt. Why not make it a realistic background? I think it gives lots of new vectors for gameplay as well, uh, whether it's the heat mechanics in ships, where you get sort of new approaches that are based on real life and fact. But, you know, even that aside, it, it's an interesting gameplay mechanic. I mean, what we've done with Elite Dangerous is the science is providing great ways of, um, of having the gameplay, of creating the variation, creating the geography, creating the differences. 
you know, looking at um, from planetary rings and the different styles there, the different things you can discover, um, to you know, the wider things, what the systems have, the sizes of the systems, what, what's there. Um, I, I think that, you know, there's more and more to come, more and more detail. But to me, it matters because I, I love that side of things. I love the, almost the excuse to do it. But it's great because it does serve gameplay. Tectonics is something that we have done some modelling for, even in 2.0, but it's improved in 2.1, but is getting much better. And it determines the locations of the volcanism. For, for those who don't know, uh, as planets form, if you think of the, the planets starting off as covered in liquid and then elements like eggshells form of hard sections of, of plates, those then float around on the lava. And Earth is still like that, deep underground. There are these giant tectonic plates that all slowly move. And at the boundaries is where you get uh, volcanoes and volcanism. Um, and you get upwellings of lava and all sorts of things. That applies even to really cold planets, except it's not necessarily molten rock. It might be molten um, CO2, molten water. Uh, there are all sorts of different chemistries where the lava might be something like water, which very quickly hardens into ice. Um, and it has different properties, but essentially it's the same sort of thing. It, they're still volcanoes, it's still volcanism. So they're called geysers and all sorts of other things, because often it jets out into space, and we can see that in our own solar system. But by our modelling, it's actually very, very common. And so those are the sort of things that are coming to 2.2 that you'll see. But those are also the things, as it jets out the water or whatever the substance is, nitrogen, you know, that um, it carries up other things with it from deep within the planet. And those are the rares that you can discover. So they're not just brought in from outside by meteorites. So lots and lots of fun things um, to come. Very, very exciting with respect to that. Um, in terms of other things, the, obviously there's much more science to come. Um, the, because what we're doing is so, so vast, you know, we have much more plans for populating things. Um, I've mentioned atmospheres. Obviously, you know, that's something that is on our roadmap to come. And the, what I've always wanted with these is to do them properly. And they're, you know, to do them essentially in a sensible way that serves the story and the background and the gameplay. Um, one of the things that we always are trying to do is to advance the gameplay and to make sure there are lots of things for different styles of play. You know, I mentioned exploration, combat, it's quite obvious how the science works there. You know, the key thing is, um, you know, the scanner works by electromagnetic emissions, so basically radiation. And we all radiate, you know, right now we're radiating heat in mostly in the infrared band. And it therefore very, very easy to detect. Spaceships are the same, um, even, you know, through from since World War Two, it's been very very normal if you look at um, modern combat for example with image intensifiers how easy it is, is to see a hot tank from a distance so all sorts of things uh, happen where um, on you know even tanks from the 70s where they have um, what, what's often called infragreen which is image intensification um, there is a button you can press on the trigger of a even as late as, as, as old as a chieftain which puts goes to full infrared where they have an arc light spotlight which highlights the scene it can be used to target and then when re they release the button a steel shutter comes across it to hide the infrared radiation because it can be used 
by the other guys to target. Now, we do the same in Elite Dangerous. We have shutters over the, the cooling vents. Um, but the cooling vents are really important in space because you can't easily get rid of heat other than by radiating it. So, you know, this whole stealth mechanic of basically holding your breath, holding the, you know, closing the vents and all that sort of thing was, is very, very effective. So the point with this is, is you know, we get stealth gameplay from science, if you like. But the point with this is the science is at the root of it and makes the gameplay interesting, makes the gameplay varied and makes the gameplay different to other games. So I'm really, really proud of what we've done, what the excellent team here at Frontier have done. Um, so, you know, I'm sure you're playing with us. If, you, if you're just watching these videos for the first time, come and join us. It's great fun. Thank you. All right. So there you heard it from the man himself. And he's talking about why scientific accuracy is important in Elite Dangerous. Now, I want to start off with an observation that I've made, which is I am absolutely in love with the work that Dr. K has done with regard to the planet tech. I'm talking about Linne, palimpsests, cryovulcanism. Yes, yes, that shit is legit. Uh, and, and the different things that they're done, I know that it's rough with regard to the crystal forest, but the scattering of the materials to make it to where everything on the planet isn't just in three discrete locations, but it kind of is spread everywhere. That is amazing. And I think that that is a huge step towards scientific realism that is being added with Odyssey. I know there's some things that people are going to bring up that are on the other side of this column, but I just wanted to start it off with one positive that I think is a huge step forward for scientific accuracy in Odyssey. Who wants to start us off on the other end of the spectrum or just whatever other observations? It could be a positive thing. Go ahead, Roy. So uh, first, let me mention uh, from the chat, uh, Commander uh, Maskim ECC. Oh, Maskimi. Hello. Maskimi. Bonjour brought up a point that a number of people have agreed to, including myself, which is that everyone just loves the passion in the eyes of Mr. Braben when he's talking about this this game. Always. It's it's so awesome just to see that. It's such a such an impact, especially which you know, to add to whatever topic he's talking about. But yeah, talking about scientific accuracy, um, I had a couple things to bring up, both around uh, trying to breathe in space. And uh, the first one, you know, we've talked about before and I think a number of other uh, folks have mentioned it in the past too, but this the space cowboy, you know, the guy with the cowboy hat uh, that was at the salvage mission and no helmet. Um, that that's obviously a, an immersion breaking <clears throat> thing to see something like that. And I, to to even go beyond that, I would say um, the the point of how long can we breathe uh, in our suits when we're outside of the ship or outside of the SRV? I I take issue with that as well. I mean, it's in, it's measured in minutes. That the time it takes your battery to run down and then and then you suffocate and yes you can extend it with packs and i hope it gets extended with engineering or something because if you just look at what nasa uses right now the eva suits right now last eight hours now granted they're big they're bulky but this is 2021 um and some some fraction of eight hours you would think is achievable with a smaller pack in the future that's that's my couple points with regard to the space cowboys just seeing people running around on airless moons with cowboy hats that oof hashtag oof switch uh, whether or not cowboy hats are going to be available in the game which i'm really hoping they are I, I think that it's more of them kind of pushing into like the 
like going from established science to like potentially like more grounded like star trek science you know like trying to stick with like hard science so that's what in my brain that's what i tell myself when i'm looking at the the kind of like sketchy stuff in the game when it comes to like like what roy is talking about with you know how long could you survive on a planet with just a single person suit i'm trying to give them a little more leeway there so it doesn't break the immersion so much you know in my mind anyway uh, i totally get that but you for sure need a helmet on an airless moon yeah that's not how science works uh any other observations we've said we've talked about this before and i've been mm-hmm. on the record saying i i, I kind of believe that we should have artificial gravity in 3307 but since we don't for the love of god all these streams I'm seeing, people walking around these tin can stations, and there's pizza boxes laying on the floor, and soda cans or cups laying on the floor, and, and they're walking around without a problem. I and mean, either invent gravity or don't and fix the art. Something has to happen there. That's to me, that's to- totally immersion breaking. Yeah, we've well covered the zero G stations being uh, a little weird because they're not in any way as far as the art department is concerned any other observations on scientific either accuracies or inaccuracies from odyssey i've got one for movement in in low g let's let's take the station argument out let's let's go to go to the planets that we've all been to and now we can go to even more you know we've got severely low g planets and we've got severely high g planets but you know just going to the low g stuff where you know i've been out of the crystal forest recently stocking up um i i hit one of those little shards off and i watch it dink up and float around and then either i can jump up and go at it in the srv or i just wait for it to fall and it takes forever but in odyssey you walk around like you're a boss and you magically have one g and you're not having to bounce and hop and skip and not run too fast or not jump too hard or whatnot because especially on these super low grav um planets that we're on it wouldn't be that hard to throw yourself off the ground with a good jump and possibly reach escape velocity um that bugs me yeah i mean we've all seen we've all seen the you know moon videos the stuff from the 60s of you know buzz and neil running around on the moon and they look somewhere between like a drunken toddler and like godzilla sort of where you're like oh you're kind of moving this weird sort of sideways skippity hippity hoppity kind of whatever and that was in one sixth g so that's you know what 17 percent g as opposed to we're going on planets that are 0.001 or 0.005 way less gravity than that and you're sort of just moving and running and walking completely normal on that one i'll be honest on that one i'm a little more inclined to give frontier leeway on that and say like if you have to call like draw a line between this is scientifically accurate and this is fun gameplay i definitely understand and respect making the choice to lean in towards the fun gameplay so that one i can kind of whatever but i would like for them to give a just the same way as you can't hear anything in space but we hear explosions in our ship and the lore in lore in game lore in universe way that they've explained that is to say your computer generates sounds because when they started space flight in the 20th century and like many 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 you know through the years they found that human brain doesn't deal well with seeing an explosion and not hearing it so it makes you feel a little disoriented so they put ai into the ships to display or or in this case produce a sound a a fake sound to 
you know, sort of account for that. And obviously, faster than light travel is is the thing that David Braben said when they first put out the game. This is the one lie that you have to buy into. This is the one thing that we're going to do that's fake. And it facilitates the gameplay for the rest of the game. But as NASA has just put out two different, they've, they've got two different papers that they're under review now where they are re-examining the idea of an Alcubierre drive uh, of faster than light travel. Potentially, possibly a realistic prospect, but it requires the, it, both of the different papers sort of require the utilization of dark matter and like who knows how that's going to work out but you're talking thousands of years and a thousand years in the future so maybe whatever but david braben said when they first put out elite dangerous faster than light travel is the one thing that they're just like hey turn off your brain and go with it everything else we're going to make accurate this is the one thing that for gameplay fun purposes we're just going to go with roy you saw something interesting in the chat yeah, in Twitch chat, uh, Fresh Baklava 81 brought up a question that's near and dear to my heart. Uh, has FDev said if they're going to update the real-life gal galactic data we have in game? So updates of the galaxy map. And my initial response was, you know, I think they've done some of that. They the have. Past, but they haven't made any uh, visionary statements about continuing to do it, even though there's more and more information that we've reviewed yeah. some of it in real life science and so forth. They have in the past. Here's the one that gets hairy. Like they can do a lot of that and they can they can incorporate a lot of that information. Here's the one that they're sort of damned if they do, damned if they don't. And I think it's probably honestly in, in all reality better if they just leave. Scientists over the last two years have more or less established I mean, this is a thing that they suspected for some time, but they've had peer-reviewed papers that have gotten to Six Sigma who where they say flat out like, yes, we are 2,000 light years closer to SAG-A, to the closer to the center of the galaxy than we previously had thought that we were. Here is the part where it's entirely unfair of Frontier to expect them to change that. We have the whole area between us and SAG-A mapped out. We have systems, we have places that have been established like they have been explored, that people have names on planets and systems, people have mapped stuff, people have encountered stuff, people have said like, hey, here's a weird site where there's a there's a Thargoids or a, a Guardian site here. Here's a here's a Selenium place here. Here's a whatever there. If they were to just overnight sort of move us 2,000 light years closer to Sagay, you're going to have to cut stuff, and there's no good way for them to do that without really risking pissing off people who are like, hey man, I found that thing and you took it away from me. So with regard to that one specific thing, I think we just kind of got to let it go. Maybe, I mean, they're smarter than me, so maybe they can come up with some way that fits, but I don't know, man, That that that's a rough one. Switch. I think that it's possible to do that, but more so in you're kind of moving the blocks around. So yeah, we would get slightly closer to stag A and things like that. But the other stuff like what you're talking about as far as like something that a commander had discovered or um, where different you know systems are and things like that, you're really just kind of shifting those same pieces around. And I think that is an acceptable way to do it as opposed to just being like, all right, it's all just going to get kind of like flown to the wind. Um, I do understand, though, like what you're saying as far as like you can't move too much of it around to too much accuracy because it causes a lot of it causes a lot of ripples and a lot of problems. But I think like small changes is good. Right on. That takes us to Frontier News. For news beyond the game, it's Frontier News.
Right off the bat, let's start off with the streams. There was a stream on Tuesday, which was a special stream. It wasn't Super Cruise News. It was Discovery Scanner Odyssey Alpha with Pierce Jackson and Dr. K. Ross. You know, okay, a lot of people have said a lot of things about like, hey, this doesn't look right. And hey, this does not look like a game that's ready to come out in two weeks. And hey, this, you know, this and that and the other. And they went out of their way to assure everyone, hey guys, what you are seeing in the alpha is not the trunk. The trunk is what they're currently working on. You are seeing a branch that was segmented off from the trunk some time ago and has not changed throughout the entire alpha. We've been on the same branch. They've made some little tweaks and whatever to it based on our feedback, but it does not in any way incorporate all the stuff that was changed in trunk and the and this is a quote thousands upon thousands of changes that have been made in the trunk Eesh. okay i think that brought up a lot of questions and feelings from people that were like well this is interesting that you're telling us this at the end of the alpha instead of at the beginning like that would have changed a lot of people's perceptions i think on a lot of things so i don't know uh but um as always dr k was lovely and just uh more dr k please she's great always yeah about the trunk and the branching and all that i could have sworn i mean i'm no game developer and i don't really study that kind of stuff but i'm almost positive arthur did bring that up in one of the former streams because uh, I, in my head all along, I thought that that's what this was. This was just a snapshot of of the game uh, that they took at a certain point in time. And then they were tweaking that, no pun intended, to, to make the changes for the different phases of Alpha while they were still developing the main game. I'm, I'm a little taken aback that everybody is so offended and surprised by this, really. I thought we, this was pretty much common knowledge. I thought we knew this at this point. Okay, Wolf. So the comment about the thousands and thousands of, of changes to Trunk that we haven't seen that are, just, I guess, just going to show up. Um, are they tested? Because we've had changes that, that weren't tested and, and things got broke. And that makes me worry. Uh, we talked last week about, you know, are we going to hear something on Tuesday that lays out a roadmap? Because there's so much overhang in the number of issues that we <coughs> identified we, the community, even mm. before this brunch, uh, brunch, branch and trunk thing came up, um, and yeah, then we get the answer on Tuesday of, uh, in so many words, okay, just sort of suck it up and wait. Um, I I think that's a little less than. <laughs> I would say the marketing people probably didn't approve that message. It's it's maybe a bit less than respectful of the time and effort people have put into testing stuff just to be told now. Oh yeah, you've been sort of playing with a paper doll version of the game that um, is even more fake than uh, than the one we've been actually working on. That might have gone down better if if that whole thought process had been explained at the beginning. I want to take a second to call out a thing that I just saw in the YouTube chat that I think is very, very important to keep in mind. I sometimes am critical of Frontier. I want to make absolutely sure that it's understood. Uh, I think Victim said it very well when he just said, I really respect the FDev workers. Management, not so much. I, yeah, I can see that. Uh, for all of the things where we call out FDev or, no, I can't speak for everyone else. That's not respect responsible myself kai when i say i criticize frontier for doing this or doing that or i might say well this seems like it's kind of lazy or this seems like it's kind of a bad idea or this whatever 
I in no way want to be seen as calling out the employees at Frontier, the developers who are hard at work, I absolutely believe and trust with all my heart to do the best that they can for us. But developers don't get to decide what they work on. They're given projects and they're told, go do this. And a developer might say like, I think that needs work. Go do this. They do what they're told. So any criticism that I have on Frontier really is meant to be sort of at management and the decisions that are made and not in any way at the hard working men and women who are trying their best with all of the love in their heart i truly believe to put out a good product so i just wanted to sort of take a second to acknowledge that the second stream that was put out this week was thursday the elite sports live mail slot mayhem Oh boy, was this interesting. So this was the elite sports. And then they made the joke on the stream like, haha, esports, get it? Like we should shorten that to esports. And yes, this was just about a silly, fun, like we're going to do tricks through the mail slot stream. But I kind of got the feeling like the joke was only halfway. I kind of got the feeling like there's some people at Frontier, maybe at management, maybe at whatever, that are like feeling like, yeah, we maybe have an eSport going here. And it's like, if you guys are thinking that you're going to turn your FPS into an eSport, oh boy, do you guys have a bucket of cold water about ready to get dumped on your head. That was just my impression. Does anybody have anything on that thursday stream before we circle back to something that oh i see here wolf does go for it wolf i i tuned in very briefly because that stream happened while i was at work and i saw them as the the sports announcers in the suits and everything and i just thought the whole thing was super cringy it mm, i i i want to hope they're doing it as a joke but like you said there there might be somebody who's gotten a wild hair up their ass thinking hey we're gonna make this the new big esports thing and this is gonna be a something to hang around hat on hey, i i really knows? hope maybe i'm dead wrong maybe i'm dead wrong and it's gonna be a big thing who knows go ahead switch oh no i was gonna say like i, I agree i really hope it was like taking more like tongue-in-cheek as a joke but something that i wanted to uh to comment on from the twitch chat fresh baklava said um 100 marketing it's hard to trust ftf bean counters i feel like odyssey will be hollow i feel like the best way to look at it now so we're so close to the release of it don't look at it as hollow, but look at Odyssey is now as like a framework, mm. as like like a like like a warehouse that's gonna get filled with the different parts and like the different expansions that are gonna go into the framework of Odyssey. That's what I've tried to explain to friends of mine that are interested in the game but aren't quite sold on it, is like trying to sell them on kind of what I'm hoping it's gonna be as opposed to what it's showing now, you know? Yeah. And that's what I'm trying to help with the community is so much is so much more of like the think of what will come once they have the framework put into place. Dude, I'm gonna take a shot of vodka and pray to God that you are right on that one. Um, I want to circle back while we're talking real quick about these ooh, streams. Uh, gotta say, with regard to the Dr. K stream, where she talked about the different atmospheric effects and showed these amazing images of the planetary tech. Why? Why did we not see these throughout the alpha? These would have been so... And she was like, hey, they, you know, the decision was made from management that we're not going to turn those on, that that was going to be whatever. That was going to be... Uh, that was going to be uh, after. Like, I, 
I get it, but it's like, oh, that would have been, that would have done so much to make so many people. And this isn't Dr. K. She didn't, that this, you know, she does what she's told, but like, <clears throat> that would have been so welcome during the alpha period. I, I, I get, and I'm seeing, yes, 100%, I agree and understand that the I, the esports thing was sort of a joke, but I think it was only halfway a joke. I feel like it was a bit of a... We'll see. We'll see. Uh, we'll see. Um, tweet. Come in on this, please. Yeah, a yeah, couple of things. Uh, on the esports, I mean... I tried to watch Thursday's stream. I tried, and I, there was obviously not going to be any new info, and and it was just bad footage. You couldn't see anything they were doing. If they're going to do an esports thing, it has to be the elite racers. It has to be. That's the that's the most intriguing sports oriented thing Elite Dangerous has going for it right now. Are those SRV nut jobs that can fly those things all over the place and. That's what they should be focusing on if they want to do esports. Dude, I 100% on, agree. On the Dr. K part of the first stream, oh my God, those those pictures that they showed, that she brought with her, that they showed, that is what I wanted to see out of Odyssey. The blue skies, the, the red on that one planet, those are the kinds of things I wanted to see with Odyssey, and I hope beyond hope that they are more common and, and a more variety easier to see when the full game releases on the 19th i will say this as shaky as i am on my feelings of where they say because they keep kicking the can down the road and saying no guys you'll see later we're way farther than you think we are you know that was pre-alpha and then alpha starts and no guys you'll see we're we're later you'll see later we're way farther than you think we are Okay, cool, but that little fucking Ponzi scheme of move, kick the can down the road, that all ends May 19th. May 19th, we see exactly where we are. No more bullshit, and we're way farther than we think we are. And maybe, you got some explaining to do. But either which way, the one thing that I I feel confident in my heart is that the planet tech will be good. The Dr. K part, the rendering PBR rendering, like the material, the, the way the ships look, way better. The way the planets will look, way better. The way the atmospheres will look is way better. Um, something that nobody brought up when we were talking about the scientific re reality realism section under the David Braben thing. <clears throat> Why do we not have re-entry effects? Why? I mean, again, Buck Rogers in fucking 1981 had flame across the screen and the ship shakes a lot on re-entry. Like scientific realism it's important i know that because david braben told me he's a smart fella but like the stuff that dr k did i absolutely believe will be good so yeah all right um switch last last point yeah i just with what you're saying about you know everything coming up on may 19th <laughs> I think when the 19th comes around, we are going to see what they have planned for the first steps going into Odyssey. And I think we need to look at it as first steps into Odyssey. Well said. All right. That takes us to Roy's section of the Galnet News and Community Goals. Take it away, Roy. Yeah. So on April 26th, we had a Galnet article, Neil Marlinists expose Hadrian Duval as NMLA leader. Big, big shock there, I guess, to save their own skins. They've pushed him out front um i guess we'll see apparently his his uh consort is a plant as well um 
here's a here's a thought on that, right? So the guy who wants to be the emperor and is an old school hardliner and take the empire, he's 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 wearing a a maga hat for the empire. He's like, make the empire great again. That guy has thrown in his lot with terrorist republics who want to abolish the empire. Yeah, sure, why not? Makes sense. Yeah, something something's a bit hinky there. Uh, April twenty seventh. Uh, the continuing story of Galactic Mysteries, The Hesperus. Great story. Because this is getting covered so heavily in other you know, content creation and media and around the game, It's uh, I don't know that there's a lot new in this Galnet story other than them pointing out that the logs are now in the tourist beacon and that we still don't know who the shadowy figure Salvation is um, and that there could be something still to come there. So I think and as long as the story keeps popping up, there's more to come. And that's interesting because both the Hesperus and the dredgers that were at that location are gone so like they're somewhere in the galaxy now it's like this is uh, for all of the you know again i criticize frontier when i feel they do something bad i praise them when i feel they do something good i love the game do not mistake that i am super excited by the continuing what, what i'm gonna call the adamaster chronicles and this phase of it which is all about the hesperus i am continually pleased by the steps that Frontier is taking to make their live game, which is all that a lot of the commanders have access to, alive and vibrant. And that huge, huge salute. I am in 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 awe and love of the people who are making that story. I'm sorry, go ahead, Roy. No worries, no worries. Yeah. So yeah, we had Neil Marlinus pointing the finger at Hadrian and saying, uh-huh. And then on the 28th, he said, nuh-uh, in the Galnet article that day, refuting the allegations. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, Princess Ashling Duvall has, uh, you know, come to his support as well. Keep it, keep in mind, they're making the, uh, the accusation now that the guy who killed her father, she helped out. Okay, sure, whatever. Then on the 29th, we had a couple of stories drop. The first one, basically both of these are related to uh, CGs, which we'll touch on. So there's a competing... Um, a set of CGs that come from this Galnet story about federal leaders launching rival data requests. So the the Federation uh, wants to make the uh, the Department of Pre-Crime more effective, uh, actually proactive detection bureau is their name for it. And uh, Felicia Winters wants to do the opposite. So this is setting up the the in-game lore to uh, uh, you know choose your side. Is this more time cops or what was that? Uh, what was that uh, minority? Yeah, it's like time cops meets Minority Report. Which one is it? And they're both shitty. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, then uh, Guardian artifacts collected for Ages Project. So that's sort of the follow-up to the the CG um, ending successfully there. Thanking them for all the stuff that got turned in. And to be clear, the CG ended early at maximum success you can tell so this is like they hinted hey this cg is it is about helping to further the storyline of anti-xeno combat that shit ended early despite a real good super reward um people want that yeah that's super a super cool storyline and then finally uh today uh kumo cruise star ports open for business so this is the <coughs> follow-on to the other cg that finished up where uh archon delane's campaign is now gonna open up five star ports 
uh, in various places from uh, some some places out on the fringe, including out in the Colonial Region and the Colsac Nebula as well. We've got the, the list of stations in the show notes there. So just real quick to go around, I was busy doing show prep for the show tonight. Did anybody from the cast get a chance to go around to the, the station that's near Seoth and Sothis and see if if that new station in any way fucked up the Seoth-Sothis grinds? I do not. I have not. I, I actually plan on doing that later tonight, but from the way it read, is that it sounds like Kumo Crew is going to be the owner of all these stations, which they would are. make it anarchist. So you should have some ind- well, you should get independent missions in there because well, yeah, in- the, the, there'll the be an independent faction which will mess up some of that stuff. The question is, will the mission givers in CO Sothis link to it? Because if they do, yes, that hurts that crime. They don't, then it's okay. <clears throat> It's in the article that there's there's other factions in those systems as well. So you might find I don't know. We'll see. There may be some fingers crossed. There. We'll 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 check on that and report back to you uh, before you know for next week's show. Uh, Roy, hit up the uh, the uh, CG section. Yeah. So the Aegis appeal for Guardian Artifacts is uh, you mentioned Kai finished 100 percent and early. Um, so now there's going to be I think it's three extra weeks that the technology broker will be. <coughs> Uh, on the Alexandria. Um, people got uh, Guardian Gauss cannons unlocked and uh, fixed class 2 rating B Guardian Gauss <laughs> cannons as rewards. Dear Frontier, a private message from somebody that I'm sure you love. The Anti-Xeno Initiative, which is based in the Pleiades, is the largest AX group in the game. By far. They exist in the Pleiades, which is the only of the three AX areas that do not include a uh, technology broker for AX technology. Um, you're going to give it to them for the next three weeks because we succeeded in this. Maybe think about giving it to them forever because they're the fucking AXI and they deserve it. Sorry, go ahead, Roy. No, that's a good point. And uh, so the two ongoing, the two ongoing CGs, you can choose your side: President Hudson or uh, Shadow President Winters. Uh, whether you're for or against increased uh, scrutiny and monitoring. Let's be honest, the prizes are good for both, so do both and get the fucking rewards. A-rated kill warrant scan with fast scan and long range on the Hudson side, and then an A-rated ECM with lightweight and shielded on the Winter's side. I'll be honest with you, the reward is better for the Federals, but the story is better. I mean, the reward is better for Trump slash Hudson, but the... story is better for uh i don't know the white-haired girl yeah winters so do both and that's the cgs which takes us to the lilu dallas multi-pass so there's a shuttle service out to the crystal forest in the stream the live stream on tuesday where dr k was there she talked about the planet uh tech and the scattering effects and what she said uh, paraphrasing was that they used this new system to not re-roll the planets on what assets they have the planets have the same materials they had so if it had 4.3 percent selenium it will still have that they re-rolled the planets individually to how those minerals and assets are distributed upon the planet so that instead of the way it is now where all of the assets in the planet are in three sections period like bio one bio two bio three now it's on this new heat map system and it's spread out everywhere better for realism better for scientific accuracy really shitty if you're trying to efficiently farm up all your stuff in the crystal forests so while you're 
I still can between now and May 19th if you are on PC and whenever it drops if you are on console. Go use this service. The Lilu Dallas Multipass. This is a fleet carrier shuttle service that departs from LHS 2687 every Friday night at 1800 UTC. And it spends 24 hours at HIP 36601 and then jumps and spends 12 hours at Outots of LS-K space 28-3, which are basically the two systems that have the crystal forest in them. And then after those 12 hours, it will jump back to the bubble, arriving back Sunday morning at 9 a.m. Use this service or use a friend or get out there and jump but fill your shit up before May 19th if you're on the PC side because it is going away. Yeah, just to comment uh, back in chat, uh, Jay Hampton and Twitch brought up a great question. Um, you know, said they, the Crystal Forest, will be more widespread. Don't see how that is bad. And I guess what I'd say is Good. Um, that may be true, but it may not be true. And, and the way the Crystal Forests are set up right now, you've got four types of element in the same system and then the other two in another system um, that's the convenience it's not just that there's a crystal forest there it's that you can get so many different elements in the same sort of trip um, that may or may not still be true when they use the heat map there's nothing saying that those same four minerals are going to show up on those same four bodies it may be that however the forge the cellar forge rolls the dice those might end up in four different completely different systems from each other uh we just don't know so sure it's more more of a convenience thing that it's uh i think good to take advantage of it now it may be better it could be a lot worse it's just there's a widespread of outcomes possible here absolutely real quick as a response to commander what the fuck because i'm drunk yes it's true like you're saying hey man isn't this better i agree with you it's absolutely better for scientific reality it's not better if you want to efficiently fill up your shit so before it happens i suggest that you efficiently fill up your shit and then enjoy Enjoy the better scientific reality. Tweeko. Yeah, that, that's pretty much what I was going to say. Based on what Dr. K said in her stream, they, the, the, the four or five different grade four or grade five raw mats will still be there. The difference is now you can fly down to the location and there's the forest in one spot. You can drive your SRV around and shoot them all in and it's all in that one spot. The new way is it's going to be spread out across planet. So you're going to have to drive all over the place to try to collect this stuff. At least Absolutely. that's the way I'm understanding it, which sure, for realism and maybe for exploring the planet that's great if you are looking to fill up your mat so you can go grade five a ship real quick yeah good luck with that absolutely that takes us to real life science real life science all right we're gonna go through this very fast because we're running late already but I want you guys to get this information. So we've got links in the show notes for all of this. Click on them and go watch these videos over the weekend or over the next week. They are worth it. Right off the bat, we've got Isaac Arthur, Spaceship Design. It's a 33 minute long video and it talks about the different phases of spaceship design, how we design a spaceship now, how we might in the future if our technology base changes, the difference in like sort of trying to design for optimal mass versus trying to design for utility, all of these different things. So it talks about spaceships from right now, how we would do it to fucking, you know, Babylon 5 or Elite Dangerous times or Star Trek times and the way that different ships would be designed 
Next up, we have a Joe Scott video, which is artificial gravity. Is it really achievable? This is a very good video that explains how it is and and what sort of the what the actual real ramifications are for us with regard to artificial gravity or the lack thereof. It is good stuff. The link is in the show notes. In addition, Cool Worlds Artificial Gravity, another video that talks about why it's important, how we can achieve it, what we're going to do about it, etc. After that, we've got Joe Scott's could you really survive a trip to Mars? Talks about exactly what we need to do as a species to accomplish this. And the things like the different hurdles that we have to jump in order to get there. And we've got Space Rip, Mars Calling, Manifest Destiny, or Grand Illusion. This is a 54 minute long video and I know that seems long, but it is worth it. Go check it out. It, the title is a little bit clickbaity, but when you actually get to the video, it is worth watching. The entire thing goes through <clears throat> from the early days of Ptolemy and the uh, like initial observations of Mars all the way up to, you know, then you go to Copernicus, then you go to uh, Tycho Brahe and his tech assistant or lab assistant um shit um, uh kepler johannes kepler and it starts off with the first observations of how the mars closest approach works with earth and then moves through the process of what mars is really like the good and the bad of getting there it is <clears throat> in a certain extent you know a failing planet a dying planet because over like whatever a billion years ago i think it was jupiter like moved closer into the sun and then back out and like sucked up a lot of the mass that would have turned mars into a viable earth-sized planet it like scooped up a bunch of that and left mars lacking and very very cool very interesting video and and talking about the sort of long-term challenges of you know how what we would deal with when trying to put humans on mars after that we've got a great ted talk by steven patradak which is your kids might live on mars here's how they'll survive fucking amazing ted talk and this is like a crazy fucking genius who talks <clears throat> in depth with elon musk along with others and elon predicts that we'll actually get to launch to mars by 2025 but this guy stephen patronek is saying like oh he is crazy uh um positive optimistic i think 2027 but like wow that's a fucking crazy thing to hit you just that it could be that soon as 2027 after that we've got we've got the scott manley video which is china and the iss competitor begins construction in orbit there's a cool video by scott manley he's talking about so just for people who don't know russia has pulled out of the um ISS. They've said that like come four years from now, five years from now, they're not going to be a partner in the ISS project. They are partnering with China who just is in the construction process uh, in orbit of their space station, their international space station, which is going to be a direct competitor to the US's. And it's looking like the next, as we talked about last week on the show, the next phase of this international, of the sort of space race is going to be America and possibly 
probably the ESA on one side and the Soviet Union, or, sorry, China and Russia on the other side. Um, there's going to be two international space stations going. There's going to be two plans to develop a moon base going There's go and, and mine for fuel for a multi-stage process mission of the Earth to the Moon, the Moon to Mars, Mars mission projects going. Like, this is a, a crazy setup for what is going to be the next decade to three of space exploration and space race going. And uh, I got to be honest with you, as much as I'm against the whole fucking nationalistic, jingo jingoistic, you know, we're going for our flag bullshit. If it causes the old white men in power to hand over money to actual scientists to fund fucking space exploration, okay, I'm for it. If that's what's needed, um, hell yeah. So interesting stuff. In addition to that, I want to turn it over to Roy. Hit up your thing on NASA conducting a, a ex ex exercises. NASA tabletop exercise uh, at a, a conference that was that looks at planetary defense, basically, where they were simulating with a group. How would they react to a, an asteroid impact? And each day they revealed more information to the group as if weeks were passing or months were passing. Um, and, you know, around the orbit and the size of it and how long it would take to hit. And uh, they revealed it would take six months to hit. Um, and so this, the team went through a bunch of different scenarios as realistically as they could as a practice for the real thing. And um, it's a great read. It's not a long read. Uh, so the, the link's in the show notes. The couple takeaways I found that were interesting. One was the fact that they only had six months from when the asteroid was detected to when it would land completely ruled out any space mission. <laughs> so the whole thing had to shift to where is it going to hit? How big is it going to be? And can we evacuate people? And the way the 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 thing played out is it was going to land uh, somewhere near the Czech Republic, and it would be like the size of a large nuclear bomb, but not like a an extinction level event. And it kind of finishes up by saying, there's some missions that had they been in place earlier could have given a lot more warning. And one I'd call out is the uh, uh, the NE what is it near Earth NEO. object surveillance mission. And this is one that could actually, in the same scenario, give a seven-year warning. So that's a pretty pretty important uh, yeah. capability to, to have going. The NEO is a massively important project for Earth's survival. Yeah, and that's not planned to be launched, I think, not until like 2025. So here's yeah. hoping nothing happens between now and then. <laughs> right on. The For All Mankind Season 2 started off a little soap opera -y. It had some stuff in there where it was kind of like... Eh. But the last four, I would say, episodes of that nine or ten episode season, it ramped up like there was like, it's like episode, you know, like T minus four was like, holy shit, whoa, what they just did. And then T minus three was like, whoa, they escalated. And T minus two was like, holy shit, they took the next step. And T minus one, it melted my brain. At the end of that, like, legitimately, I would say, at the end of season one of For All Mankind, I would say, this is one step below The Expanse. By the end of season two of For All Mankind, I would say, this is as good as The Expanse. I don't care. I don't shill for Apple. I don't work for Apple. Steal it. I don't give a fuck. But whatever you need to do... Go watch For All Mankind, season one and two. It's like 
10 episodes a season so you're down for like 20 episodes you can binge it in a weekend and when you're done with it you go on to the elite week discord and tell me if you if i'm not wrong that this is fucking amazing television that you need to see if you're a space nut for all mankind on apple tv plus buy it steal it i don't give a fuck i'm not your dad do what you got to do but see that show the other thing was net on netflix the movie stowaway this was a very very cool movie that just dropped on netflix it is good stuff scott manley was a science advisor on the script and has put out a video talking about it just wow just wow i can't i can't really talk about it too much without giving spoilers so i'm just not going to say anything other than if you have netflix go watch this if you don't go steal this watch stowaway it it it's really good anybody from the cast want to hop in on either of these two or or control it on i would just add on stowaway what's really good about it besides being a great story is they paid a lot of attention to hard science and yes they had to take some liberties that scott explains in this video but like 99 percent of it is like spot on right on control yeah but for all mankind hey that's the best show i've ever seen ever ever it's so good it's so good the last four episodes are like oh i've watched each of them like three times and i i legit when we're done tonight i'm gonna go lay down in bed with my ipad and start for all mankind season two at the beginning just watch it straight through again because it's good anybody else got yeah dude i it's good i would say that i'm a show for that show but i'm openly telling people to steal it if you need to i don't give a fuck i don't work for apple yeah it's it's that good go watch it that takes us to or sorry roy stories we now return to our inara commander series with mac winston season two episode nine the fraud of damocles william f mccoy cassie l paya station tanmark Done with all our transportation jobs for the day, which had surprisingly gone without incident, we'd parked up to get some rest. We had been supporting the move into Tanmark, so it seemed like the natural place to put down for the night. A transport job had rudely interrupted Cal's storytelling, but now that was done, I felt I ought to get the rest of it out of him before he changed his mind. I don't know why you'd think I'd throw you out for what you did. It's all in the past, and to be honest, it sounded like your family put you in an impossible situation. I began as we sank into the comfortable leather seats in the living quarters of our Imperial Clipper. Cal winced. That's because we've not got to the really juicy bits yet. I gave him a sideways glance. Juicy bits? Remember how I was telling you that I was destitute? And then somehow I seem to have 8 million credits to buy 50% of that Type 7 with you. I thought for a brief moment. From nothing to 8 million credits. That's... That couldn't have been legitimate. Cal nodded and lapsed into silence. Gonna tell me about it? Okay. Imagine this. You're stuck in Thessay with no money, but because you were the dealmaker for your family's company... You have a bit of negotiating skill, and all the time in the world to think of schemes. And then one day, without warning, all of a sudden the East India Company shows up with huge numbers. Ships everywhere, the docking bay frantic with all activity, all sorts of hangers-on turning up the works. 
I thought back. Yeah, we had established a new trade route, and like locusts, EIC contract ships swarmed Fosiao, Tawilo, Yunga, every system within a dozen light years with something to trade. Some very profitable shipping routes had opened up thanks to a few changes of government, and we took advantage of it while it lasted. Cal continued. By then, I was living in the hostel on Del Parte Market. It was cheap, not very cheerful, and a group of unsavory characters were living there long term. Where you get trade, you get thieves and pirates. So I was stuck in this place with a group that called itself the Del Port Freedom Gang. Yeah, I think they attacked me once on a trade run. And I had to practically live with these people. It wasn't much fun. And they kind of liked to push me around, so I didn't spend much time in the hostel. Instead, I wandered the station. I noticed that there's one East India Company pilot that seems to like to finish his day at Delport Market. One of the few EIC guys in a smaller ship, single crew. I saw him nursing a beer almost every night at Rotterdam's. Cal looked at me expectantly, but I gave nothing away. It was obvious he was talking about me but I thought I'd let him continue. I thought back to that day, just 18 months or so ago. Rotterdam's, Delport Market, Fosiao, March 3301. It had been a rough trip. I had been attacked three times on the way to the station in a supposedly safe system. I had dropped a full load of metals off at Foster Orbital, then a hold full of agricultural machinery to go to Delport, orbiting a world turned over to agriculture. I really needed something a bit stronger than a beer this time. Rotterdam's was just another nondescript bar and yet another station along my trade route. I almost always went there. It seemed the place for lonely pilots to go. There were always a dozen or so of us, sitting on our own, nursing a beer, being perfectly antisocial. Not the usual picture that a bar owner would like to paint of the most happening social experience this side of Akinar. Suddenly, a voice beside me got my attention. It looks like you've had a hard day, said the man beside me. He was of slight build with a strong Akinarian accent, with short spiked black hair and that Sino-European complexion that seemed to be common in the Empire. The stranger seemed pleased to see me. This wasn't something I was accustomed to. Yeah, you could say that. The internal security service leaves something to be desired around here. Don't say that too loud, he said, looking around. I'm Callum, by the way. You can just call me Cal. Mac Winston. You're with the EIC, aren't you? You all seem to have turned up in force recently. Yeah, we do that sort of thing. The trade's good here at the moment. What do you fly? Asp Explorer, called the Virtuous Misfortune. But I'm looking for something bigger for trade. She's got great jump range, but she's not really built for trade. But right now I need another beer. What'll you have? Mine's a black. I was glad for the company, really. I was never particularly sociable, but I'd been flying nearly every waking hour and hadn't spoken to another human being properly for some time. Cal turned out to be a resident of the station and seemed easygoing and quite happy to hear endless tales of long trade runs. The beer kept flowing, and before I knew it, I was, to put it mildly, hammered. I started following your ship making sure I was at Rotterdam's whenever you finished for the day, trying to build your trust and hoping to hatch a plan which the EIC could unwittingly help. Really, I just wanted to get out of Thessalia, 
But I could get in with an EIC contract pilot. Well, life would improve immeasurably. I just needed a plan. Well, you did that all right. But the plan kind of found me. With the EIC swarming the place, it was attracting attention, including from Vasquez Entertainment. And duly, someone turned up, but not my brother, Enrique. He preferred to stay at home and act as the Lord, sending others to do his bidding. When I did the job, I would always go personally to find new business contacts. I made a point of doing so, but not Enrique. He sent out his new slave. After all, they had to replace me. To make new contacts with suppliers. For years, my family have wanted to land a contract with the East India Company. And undoubtedly, that's why this guy was here. And so the fraud began. Cal paused his story, reaching for the liquor cabinet. Whiskey? Yeah, why not? Cal poured out two tumblers of Aranin Pearl Whiskey, my only indulgence from my home system. I took a sip. It lit a path of fire down my throat, which subsided into a satisfying, smooth warmth. So I decided to ingratiate myself with the Delport Freedom Gang, as they might turn out to be useful. I practically lived with them in that hostel, after all. They had half a dozen ships, perhaps there were twenty of them, led by this really nasty piece of work called Davil. I had the foresight to never have given them my real name, though they thought I was a guy called Kevin Johnson. Imaginative name. I had to think of that on the spur of the moment. But Davil was actually quite well educated when he found out I didn't know how to handle a firearm, because my family considered firearms beneath them and had me do archery. He nicknamed me Legolas. Who? A character from the classics. Legolas was an elven archer of some repute, but that's not really important. The rest of his crew laughed at me for my utter lack of firearms knowledge. Davil, on the other hand, knew how a modern crossbow could mess someone up. Not only that, disassembled, he would easily pass through the firearm scanners that dotted the station. His attitude changed towards me. He realized I might be very useful to him, and I might be able to get rid of some of his rivals at the station. The prospect terrified me, but having his trust was useful. You? An assassin? Nah, it never got that far. But with all the time in the world to think, I came up with a very reckless plan that needed Davil's trust. Cal gulped down the rest of his whiskey. So the East India Company was in the sale. So was my family angling for business with them, and I was gaining the trust of a small band of criminals and at the same time becoming your closest friend. I carefully cultivated these relationships over the next couple of months. It was at this point I had to strike. I told you that I was wrapping up some business, and then I would have enough money to go 50% on a Lacon Type 7 with you. Of course you didn't hesitate for a second to agree. Meanwhile, I was convincing the Delport Freedom Gang that I could get 8 million credits out of Vasquez Entertainment. I got them to trust that I had inside knowledge of how they worked, and that we'd be able to con them out of a lot of money. And how? The Delport Freedom Gang would become the East India Company's operations office in the sale. Jesus H. Christ on a sidecar, you pulled that off? With your help, yes. My help? Yeah. All I had to do was get you drunk, and you tell me everything. 
You showed me how the EIC works with contract pilots like you. You showed me the paperwork in your datapad. Everything. I made lots of notes over a couple of months. You even showed me some of the internal promotional guff about the EIC missions office in Husqueno. If loose lips sink ships well, you single-handedly sunk the whole fleet. I flushed red at my own indiscretions and stammered a weak excuse. So Port Freedom made a nice facsimile of an EIC mission office. I guided Enrique's slave in without him knowing it, and Davil, who's a surprisingly good actor it turns out, played the part of a local EIC deputy absolutely flawlessly. We presented an investment opportunity to build a full-scale trade clearinghouse in the sale, with the promise of entertainment contracts as a sweetener. Just invest 8 million credits. At least a 7% return on investment. Surely your brother would check. You'd think. I would have checked. I might have resented having to work for the family for free, but when I was doing the job, well, especially with anything new, I would go over everything with a damned microscope. But Enrique, he cared more about protocol for protocol's sake. He would say that good chaps don't check up on good chaps or some other such bull. He was also so desperate to get in with the EIC, he wouldn't tell anyone else in the family until he could go home triumphant, contract in hand. So no one would get to sound a voice of caution either. Surely your gang noted the family resemblance when Enrique turned up? I mean, I could pretty easily tell he was your brother. Nah. He was going through his beard and bleached hair phase. He thought it was stylish. He looked like a right bell end. I think some old aristocrat must have quietly taken him aside and told him this. That's why he wasn't like that anymore at the ascension ceremony. But the accounts and security certificates... This is where Enrique really fell down. There's any number of shady notaries who can do a certificate. I had linked an account called the East India Company Investment Fund to my bank account, except the letter O was from the Cyrillic alphabet. The security certificate signed by the Imperial Notary. Well, the last L in Imperial was a number one. Literally the oldest trick in the book, and Enrique fell for it. I was pretty confident he would too. I was more worried about his lawyer. When it was my job, I'd go over that stuff like my life depended on it. And I'd be especially suspicious of a certificate only signed a few days earlier. What about Enrique? He couldn't see you, of course. He dealt with Davil. Fortunately, Davil's your size, so your jacket fitted him. What? Remember you lost your EIC jacket and cap? You stole it, I exclaimed. I wondered how it had gone missing for two weeks and then suddenly it reappeared. I gave it back. Cal said with a cheeky smile. He seemed to be enjoying telling his story now. So, anyway, Enrique and this lawyer showed up. We also got the lawyer on our side to make it look right, and to Enrique, it looked all about board. Davil did a really good job fooling Enrique's lawyer, too. Now watch this all from the other room, half filled with excitement, half filled with terror. Davil didn't realize that the fake EIC account was actually linked to my bank, not the gang's. And there was also another minor complication. A real EIC crew turned up thinking it was a new missions office, right when Enrique and the lawyer showed up for their appointment. A bloody anaconda crew. I thought it was going to all be over, but it turned out to be highly fortuitous. We sent them on a long-range delivery mission, 
with a bunch of stolen weapons that the Freedom Gang had stored, and to Enrique and his lawyer, it made this EIC office look absolutely genuine. Your explanation of how the missions office worked had been perfect, and the Anaconda crew were completely fooled. Even the lawyer's guard was down after that. So they paid? Yeah. They made their investment. Meanwhile, I sent you a message saying my business was done and we'd meet up in the docking bay. And I just hoped you'd be on time. It wouldn't take long for Davil to smell a rat and come looking for me once the deal was done. Fortunately, you showed up slightly early. And we hightailed it over to Shinrata. I let this all slowly sink in. The audacity of it all. Impersonating the EIC to the point of actually sending an EIC anaconda on a mission to keep up appearances, forging accounts, defrauding a nasty little pirate gang. The sheer audacity. You realize if the EIC finds out what you did. Yeah. Cal said, becoming more serious. I know you can turn me in. And it would be entirely rational for you to do so. You'd be protecting yourself if you did. I paused and let the statement linger for a bit. I ain't gonna do that, Cal, but, well, I can't help thinking this whole thing is going to hang over us like the Sword of Damocles. The Fraud of Damocles, at least. I laughed at the pun, and I could see Cal had relaxed a little. A new question. So, what happened to the Delport Freedom Gang? Ah, of course. Enrique found out he'd been built out of all that money within days. I have to imagine he was utterly humiliated, coming back home with this investment in some EIC enterprise, crowing to everyone about his success, and then finding out it was all a big con job. I couldn't inquire too closely, I didn't want to give the game away. But it seems like he paid a lot of money to some internal security service pilots to annihilate the Delport Freedom Gang. Meanwhile, the gang were busy looking for me, of course, since I had defrauded them too. Remember that time we got attacked, leaving Webport in uh, 34 Bagasi? How could I forget? It's permanently etched into my brain. That was them. They even yelled my false name of the comms. The attack had nearly cost us our Type 7. I had to fly that box with wings through the station structure like it was an eagle, desperately trying to charge the frameshift drive. But, looking at news reports, the pilots my brother hired caught up with pretty much all of them. Pretty much? Yeah. I didn't see any news about Davo, but the news can be a bit vague. I have to imagine they got him first. But you never can be entirely sure, and well, now you know I kept steering you away from the sale. And your family? I'm guessing they never made the link to you? Never. I think Enrique would have had that whole instantaneous swarming with police if he did. Rather than just having Murdoch go look for me with the hope of merely causing us some humiliation. I think I need another whiskey. Make it a triple, I said, passing my glass over. He needs a triple. I know how that feels. All right. That takes us to our discussion topics. We're going to move some stuff around and we're going to hit these two right off the bat. Let's talk about definitions. What is alpha? What is beta? And normally, what is early access? So right off the bat, let's say that 
What is alpha? Like, what is it actually defined as for, for a programmer, for, for a developer? Alpha means that your product is feature incomplete. At the end of alpha, your product should be feature complete. What is features? Features are your game loops and your pillars of the code base, which support the underlying project. So, for example, you have to have, you know, instancing worked out. That's a feature. You have to have, you know, the UI worked out. That's a feature. You have to have sort of the, the planet tech and the, the all of the things that support the base game. Those are features. But also game loops are features. So mining, you know, bounty hunting, mission systems, etc. Those are features. So that's why when people talk about the fact that Star Citizen, for example, has been in alpha for forever, they're saying because it's playable now, they let you in, you can play it, but it is still an alpha project because it has mining, it has trade, it has cargo running, it has bounty hunting, but it doesn't have medical play, it doesn't have salvaging, it doesn't have exploration, it doesn't have multi-systems, it doesn't have not from the game loop side, but from the underlying support of the code base, it doesn't have server meshing and persistent servers. It doesn't have multi-systems. You know, there's things it does have, things that it doesn't have. That is what alpha means. Now, when Frontier, well, actually, hold on, let's jump to beta. What does beta mean? Beta means that it has all of those features that I just mentioned, but it is not content complete. So it has, you know, the, the mission system and it has the servers and it has the bounty hunting, but it doesn't have all of the specific missions that touch on the persistent system and the mission system and the bounty hunting system. But it takes those three features, puts them together and creates missions for you to do. So that is sort of alpha and beta what is early access well originally what early access is was our game is done pay us a little extra money you get early access to the completed game for this fee this has quite sadly evolved across the industry this is not frontiers sin this is the sin of the entire video game industry it has evolved into a process whereby you charge money for people to be your not only unpaid but they paid to get in beta testers with that in mind let's discuss the odyssey development and alpha ends in may has no beta launches on may 19th that had a paid premium for the early access halfway finished alpha so when they first announced this frontier announced this and they said hey this was like in november ish they were like hey they, they had that video game thing it was a video game something something where like a lot of whatever and that day like an hour before that they announced <clears throat> we are gonna have early access alpha testing come blah whatever like you know er that you pay now and you're gonna get that first and they didn't mention a beta and everybody was like well what the hell is this and the way that it worked out is everybody sort of and i could be wrong maybe you're like you're full of shit not the people that i talked to they didn't think that but the people that i personally talked to and please can you know put in a dot and and explain to me if i'm wrong but the person that I, the people that i talked to they all thought okay there's been so much backlash in the games industry lately among people that are charging for early access betas that frontier decided to get around that 
by calling it an alpha when really, come on, let's be honest, it's just you get to see the beta early. That's what everyone I talked to Turns out we were wrong. We should have trusted Frontier and taken them at their word. It for sure was an alpha. They weren't done making the game yet. So what we thought was there were going to be two rounds of beta. There was going to be one round that was called the early access alpha, which is this is beta for people who paid money, paid the extra whatever, 20, 30 bucks to get it. And then there's the regular beta for all the plebs. That's what we thought was going to happen. What turned out happened was what we got was not even a complete project alpha. Like this is alpha that is done. We're ready for you to test it. What we got was a trunk, sorry, branch off of the trunk, which was old semi feature complete, but not feature complete alpha. And they were like, Go play this for a month in phase one, phase two, phase three, and phase four. And then they announced on the live stream that we just had this Tuesday. Oh, by the way, that wasn't even the whole stuff. You didn't see the stuff. We got better stuff. Don't worry. Don't complain. All of your complaints are irrelevant because we've got way better stuff. Tens of thousands of fixes you haven't even seen yet. Here's the problem with that. Number one, as Wolf pointed out earlier in the show, you didn't test those fixes. Not really, not wide. Number two, you charged us for an alpha, didn't include all of the full loops, and then told us, submit bug reports or complaints or, you know, tell us what doesn't feel right or doesn't whatever. Well, if it's not finished yet, half of the shit that people were spending their time and effort to document and to show you and say, this doesn't make sense. This is a, a, a menu option that leads to nowhere. This is a thing that doesn't work. This is a game loop that doesn't work. You then respond back with, oh yeah, we know we've got a way better one in the other thing. Don't even worry about it. Well, then what did I just spend all my time filling out reports on? If you were going to sell us on an option on a thing that was half done. You should have told us that so we could have decided whether or not we wanted to buy in. And then fair is fair. It is what it is. You pay your money, you take your chances. But all of that, sort of the game standard, the industry standard is the way that works is you do the alpha. When the alpha is done and you have your features ready to test, then you bring people in if you want to do an alpha test. Normally alpha tests are done internally, like just with company people and friends and family who test it and say, this game loop, this is broken. This doesn't feel right. This is whatever. And you focus group it and you test it. Then you spend anywhere from 30 to 90 days polishing and optimizing. And then you bring the masses in on the beta, which says, the loops are done. We figured out our game's loops. Now we're just figuring out the minutia of missions. Do they pay too much? Do they pay too little? Do we need more missions for this? Do we need less missions for that? Do we need more funneling into these loops and less funneling into those loops? Do we need... What is the minutia of not the game loops, not the features, but the content? So features are the broad strokes content or the fine strokes and when you show it to the public that's when you're talking about hey how is our content does it feel right do you feel like you're getting paid too much for this and not enough for that does this part bug you does the ship transfer part like we figured out how ship transfers works but now we got to figure out the times okay the transfer mechanism is in place but you tell us does it feel like five minutes is too long or or, or or five minutes is too short and 20 minutes is too long should we move it to 12 minutes like 
that is the fine strokes of sort of fixing that. What Frontier did was said, we're going to bring you in for the alpha that's not even really feature complete. We're going to skip the beta and just fucking YOLO this. And when alpha ends on May 5th, 14 days, two weeks exactly later on May 19th, without a beta, like literally Art said on last Thursday's stream, we've decided not to do a beta. Without a beta, we're just going to launch this bitch on May 19th and fingers crossed, YOLO, hope for the best because... Frontier is super known for being able to quality test, QA test all of their stuff. And for sure, this game isn't super, super, you know, intricate and in depth. So since it's so simple, I'm sure it'll work out for the best. Wow, that fucking melts my mind. All right, I flip it a switch. You're first. It comes down to things like this, like with what Frontier has done with the alpha. It comes down to that in order to execute something like Odyssey in a game as massive and as long running as Elite Dangerous. And that's because when you're looking at the scale of the game and you're looking at what the game is already established as, when you're looking at large fundamental changes to base gameplay, to base mechanics, UI changes, large scale things like this, that multiple thousands, hundreds of thousands of commanders are going to be interacting with you have to get the community involved you have to do something like the alpha in order to get it out there and get it into the hands of the people that are going to be playing with it and toying with it finding the holes in it poking at it and then making those changes on the fly we're past the point now where you can do closed development of a game and that's why things like star citizen have taken so long it's because they're still trying to do closed cloistered development of a game and that's why that game has been in air quotes here development you know kickstarter development whatever you want to call it for going on a decade because they're trying to do everything in-house and that's cool but that means that game is never going to truly come to fruition but that's neither here nor there elite is taking the approach of allowing the community to shape the future of the game and people are taking that as the developers being lazy but really what it is allowing is for a more hands-on community-based and not to overuse a kind of a relic term but like grassroots approach to how the game will grow after the launch of this expansion so real quick i 100 percent agree with you that elite needed commander feedback needed player-based feedback on the alpha section of it but i would state that the way to do it would be to get community feedback on the alpha stage for about a month and then take 30 to 90 days and optimize and tweak it and 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 op and, and and like polish it and then release it to a second beta phase for about a month and then go back for 30 to 90 days to tweak it and whatever optimize it yada yada and then launch what they're doing is half of an alpha get access to it because you paid money two weeks later release it without a beta yolo let's hope for the best i can definitely agree with you that a lot of what is being presented to us now seems rushed and seems kind of haphazard in a lot of ways but you have to look at what they're tacking on to the game as it stands like when you're looking at things mechanically at the scale that they're they're implementing it it's a lot even okay. for the even for the size of, of of frontier but i think i think their approach was good i don't think it was perfect by any stretch of imagination but i think they did the best they could with the idea that they had to go forward all right roy uh, just a couple quick questions, and these are more rhetorical because I don't think we can answer them until after the 19th. But my first question is, 
why have a closed beta, which is in effect what they've done. They've had us pay for an open alpha, or a paid alpha, if you will, and they've got the trunk beta going in the background, and they're keeping that to themselves, and then that's going to get pushed out on the 19th. So why would you do a paid alpha, public, you know, paid public access alpha, and then have a closed beta? doesn't make a lot of sense to me, unless there's something, some other agenda going on. Um, and closely related. Uh, spoiler alert: the agenda is that their end of fiscal year is the end of May. <laughs> Go ahead. That's the that's the running conspiracy theory, which may not be a conspiracy. Yes. Um, and then why not share that the trunk was separate? Why let that out this Tuesday instead of just <laughs> making that known? Like that, I don't understand that. There's something else going on there. Um, what happens with issue tracking and resources development resources after May 19th? Are, are, are we going to continue to see a flood of things being tracked and worked on? Or which in effect means, I mean, what do you call that? Is that is that continuing the beta? Is that just, we got a really buggy launch and we're working on it? Um, That's I'm not gonna snafu. Get, yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna get too wrapped around the axle about it. We'll figure out what happens post May 19th. But here's the thing, judgment will happen. Whatever this thing is on May 19th, people are gonna judge it. It's not to get upset now, but people are gonna remember, however this turns out the next time, whether it's the next iteration of Elite or the next game that FDev puts out, if it captures some of the same audience, they're they're taking some actions and showing some behaviors here that are that are odd and they've chosen not to explain them all and people are going to remember that we're way late on time but i want to take a moment to make room for tweak to come in with his comment on this yeah just real quick i i agree with everything that's been said but i i kind of believe that they probably planned on a beta originally with the original time frame of releases and everything but then COVID happened now, I'll preface this by saying I don't buy COVID as an excuse for the total delay and everything, but I do think it slowed things down quite a bit and probably rushed a lot of stuff as far as developing. So I think all of the beta and the alpha kind of got scrunched together in, in the release and it just moved everything up with the time schedule. Otherwise, I think if it had everything gone as planned before COVID was ever a thing, we might have seen a beta, but times are what they are. Fair enough. I'm just going to sum this subject up and say that I think that basically they've rushed the hell out of this. And what we're going to get is a massively buggy mess on May 19th, which is, let's be honest, situation normal, all fucked up. The big question is, what do they do after that? If they spend the next six months going back, putting in work on it, getting the features first, right, i.e., you know, they literally just said, eh, we're going to throw out the plant gun because people don't seem to like it and we don't have time to do anything better. Like, no, you can't have an elite rank in. I pointed a fucking thing at a thing and then we, I win. You have to have some gameplay somewhere, somehow in that process. Y you need to have some thought to all of this stuff. So if they spend the next six months working on those things and fleshing those things out, I think, honestly, in the end, Elite will be known as, or, or Odyssey will be known as a project that was released half-baked, but then made good, made you know, they, they made good on their promise of we're going to give you a thing. I think it's been pointed out multiple times by multiple people, including myself, that the framework, the bare bones of Odyssey, the walking around, the yada, 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 the planet tech, these are great. These are actually could be great. The 
actual sort of how they went to focus all of their time, which is gut every game loop that's not FPS. Eesh, that's a rough choice. But it, they, if they spend the next six months, they can make it right. Think, be thought of well two years, three years from now. If they don't, if they spend bad money after good, continually chasing making the top tier FPS game, which they will never achieve, Odyssey, I believe, will go down in history as the thing that took Elite from greatness to meh. So that is that. That takes us to our next subject, which is the Elite Forums post by Phoenix D Fire, the co or the host of Lave Radio. He posted a thing, uh, feedback on the forums, um, feedback on the state of the game before Odyssey. And Roy is posting that right now in the Twitch, and I am posting it in the YouTube. It will be in the show notes. You need to go check out that thread. Amazing thread looking at, hey, let's give Odyssey a break for a second. and Let's look at the stuff before Odyssey. Let's look at... The State of Horizon gameplay in 2021 and see the things that need or or that I think, this is in his words, the things that I think should be addressed, should be changed, should be moved around a little bit to make things better. Let's start with uh, Control. Go ahead. Thank you. Uh, yeah, uh, and trade. Hey, I'm a trader. I'm a hauler. And that's what I've been doing all the time. Hell yeah, brother. And do you earn some money or credits? No, you just fly around there. You get some credits there. And I would never get an FC if I would do the trade route. So maybe buy some that thing or whatever. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. That's- yeah, yeah. Trade, trade would would def, trade definitely need some love. That whole gameplay loop for sure. Control, Roy. Uh, yeah. So I'm just gonna run through some of the main things he puts in this post that stuck out to me. And one one is um, when he's talking about rank and ship progression and how uh, you know maybe we've been playing this game long enough that we kind of forget about this until someone really points it out. But people are breezing through the the ships very quickly and they're not spending a lot of time um, doing slow growth and, and figuring out base skills before they're suddenly in anacondas or corvettes or whatever. That's, I think, something that shouldn't get dropped as a topic. I mean, that's a, the people that had the, uh, whether they were forced to do that or uh, because of when they started playing this game or they chose to do that, I think had a better experience. And it's worth it's worth going back to. Mm-hmm. Um, on uh, on the exploration, he brings up some, I think, some really good points. It doesn't make a lot of sense for people to keep making money from scanning the same things over and over again, road to riches, all that. Uh, I, I'm curious just to see how rebalancing when it eventually comes on exploration works, if they're going to reward things that are more rare astronomically there's a lot of things they could do to make that loop more fun and it, I, I would be in support of of you know changing this making it a diminishing return if you if you multiply scan things also perversely there's a weird diminishing return where if you do road to riches to make money you're literally sort of getting paid more money to explore quote sort of in the bubble where everybody's gone before because it's mapped out better it's so perverse that it incentivizes you to not go out in the black yeah yeah um he's got a number of points that I won't go into here on on you know making the universe feel more dangerous 
Uh, mm. Some callbacks to the original game, which are I think are excellent. His idea about um, players basically dropping into nav beacons in normal space when you jump into a system instead of uh, super cruise. I, I I would say um, I think a twist on that that may not be that that dramatic would be maybe in Anarchy Systems. Uh, maybe that's what a compromised nav beacon could be. Is it well? It's been taken over by pirates. You know, there could be a lore reason where they figured out how to pull people out of out of super cruise, and that could be a that could be a fun thing, mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to just making it for everything. Um, lots of great points he brings up about uh, uh, crime and punishing, uh, crime, crime and punishment, uh, and power play. The one thing, the one thing that I did like um, uh, that that he brought up a bit later, actually, it was in power play. Um, I loved the idea of being able to get power play modules from tech brokers for a high cost. I think that could pull a lot of people out of the power play loops that are only there to get those weapons and modules. Mm-hmm. And then the people that want to play power play, it, that's not going to get polluted by that. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I'll leave it there. I think those are the top ones I have. Right on. Wolf, jump in on some of this. Uh, I've got a number of comments on a number of sections, but for the sake of brevity, um, his section on engineering, how the the modules should be more fragile and more expensive to maintain. Uh, totally, totally get that. Like if if you've got you know the frame shift drive and it's maxed out and you're just pushing the hell out of it, you should wear it out a little faster. That makes sense to me. Completely not on board with his idea that, oh, you died. Uh, We can't remake that on your insurance payment, so you're going to have to do that all over again. Yeah, on his, all of his, in his whole thread, I agreed with like 90% plus of everything he said. That one thing, when he, when I got to that point, I was like, no, 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 no. If, if, if it was trivial to go and get what we needed and then just drive around and do your thing, okay, it becomes a bit of a bully. But especially with, hey, you know, we're pretty certain that the raws are going to become a bit more difficult to get. Uh Uh-uh, no, not touching that with a 10-foot pole. Um, Now, the two that I have some comment on is, uh, because these are near and dear to my heart, would be the BGS section and the squadron section. And they kind of go hand-to-hand for me. Squadrons. Okay, awesome, great. Um, We can move some stuff around, we can talk to people, but I can only have four people in a wing. That's a pain in the ass. I'd love more. It'd be great if we could have 10 people in a wing just to throw out a number because that's how many fingers I still have. That integration would be awesome if, if they touched on both. And the reason that I want people in a wing is for the BGS. It's so much fun to go and do the BGS when you're doing it with friends and you get those wing missions, whatever they are, be they space trucking, be they go, you know, go assassinate this guy that we say needs to be offed, whatever, don't care. It's way more fun when you can have all your buddies in with, and that is a thing that they need to address. Next week, we're going to get into an in-depth section because we're almost a year out on the release of fleet carriers. And we're going to talk about fleet carriers specifically. But I see that we got here a note from Tweak that he's got fleet carriers and squadron on his mind. Go for it. He had a great point in that article of fleet carriers. And I've been saying this for a while. Is How in the world do we not already have a way to tell when there's a strange commander parked on our fleet carrier? It would, it would solve a lot of problems for me jumping when somebody's sitting there that I didn't know, and all of a sudden that somebody's a thousand light years away or something, and, and, and it could just add other things. We should be able to message fleet carriers. For example, there's a fleet carrier that's parked in one of our OPIC systems that's been there for about four months. I have no way 
I've, I've looked this commander up on Inara. I've looked him up every way possible. I have no way of con contacting this guy to see what he's up to or if he'd like to join the squad or what whatnot. So there should be some way to be able to do that. And with the squadrons, uh, everybody knows I'm, I'm part of Opix. We have 135 members on Xbox last count. The squadron tab is pretty good as far as information goes, but it needs to be a little more intuitive i guess a little easier to navigate maybe a little better to look at they could add some flair to that allow better messaging in internally with with the squadron and stuff oh yeah from my end i'm gonna say you know you know you've all heard me with my crime and punishment rant i made a little thing on the forums it went great and then not so much uh but like yeah i i i feel that this post this forum post which will be in the show notes from uh, Phoenix to Fire uh, is phenomenal and deserves support. It needs support. Go in there and say like, yeah, let's not be so caught up in the little planet planety stuff that we forget the amazing game that is Elite Dangerous, the space stuff. And next week we're going to talk about what some space stuff that we're looking forward to as, as one of the subjects. But yeah, that's that's it's important to look back on the state of the game and what we had before and not just move to the next thing, move to the next thing, but actually sort of when you have all of these loops that we have in the base game that are like 80% done and with, or, or in some cases, 90 to 95% done and with small investments of time and effort could be two to three times better. It's, it's important to not sort of just keep moving on and moving on and moving on, but also assess what you have, make some changes, make some corrections, polish a little bit, and turn a great product into an amazing product. All right, so community question number one is your thoughts on the development rollout of Odyssey. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you look at it and go, nope, this was exactly the right way to do it. Okay, say so. Or... Maybe you're like, yeah, this doesn't make sense. Why did they do this? Why not that? What is this? What's going on with that? Community question number two, your thoughts on the thread, the state of the game pre-Odyssey and what ideas from this thread would you like to see addressed? Or what do you disagree with? Or what do you say like, I think he wrote an awesome thing, but he forgot this point, in which case, say it. Let's sort of add to all of those. Switch, you got one more thing to close this one out? I think that we need to really take a a more grounded look at development. And I'm not just talking about Elite uh -huh. or Elite Dangerous Odyssey as it's coming out now, but game development as it stands in the year 2021. Mm -hmm. That's so many of us are used to games being $60 on all fronts and yearly franchises and things like that. And that stuff is a thing of the past. And that is a thing that a lot of people need to be a little more open to is the fact that, you know, things are changing now when it comes to this kind of stuff. So the way that game development and like the alpha development and stuff is working out for Elite it might become a little more familiar in the the future. So that's just something to think about, you know? I 100% agree. On feedback, 
guys, first off, just as a little side note, we passed the 1.5 thousand subs mark this week, and that was a massive, huge, huge deal. Thank you so much. We we love and respect you all and appreciate your subscription, and we'll try to put out content that is worthy of that. But uh, whereas before, I was responding to every last post. It doesn't matter whether you wrote something good or something shitty. I was responding to every last comment in the YouTube comment sections. I gave up this week. I just couldn't because we were getting like 60, 70 plus comments a day. And I was just like, I, I got to stop. Like when it was 12 comments a day, it was, you know, uh, but like I could do it. When it got to like, it blew up, then it was like, okay, I can't anymore. Uh, but uh, we do pick out here and there phenomenal uh, feedback. And this was from like a week or so ago. And I gave it to uh, Wolf to read out. So Wolf, go ahead and hit us with it. Yeah, this is actually a comment from the highlight clip that was the David Brave and Proc Gen video where he spent a great deal of time talking about what you can do with procedural generation and how you can make things different given the various methods of having random number generator seeds. And DEFCON001 made an excellent post about how we, they could change the interiors of the stations by using the puck gen and pulling seating. Okay, okay, okay. Well, if you are roboting like a motherfucker, so I'm going to take over. Sorry about that. DEFCON 001. As others have pointed out, there's quite a lot of variety that could be added to station interiors by having proc gen since so many of the seeds could be pulled from the system. Faction and BGS data. Economic status could affect how clean or dirty the stations appear or how well-dressed the NPCs are. The weapon shop, general goods shop, might change the layout and focus of goods based on the situation, like more focus on weapons for systems in war, civil war, anarchy, and have goods based on how well the economy is. Or if the economy is busting out, there might be more empty shelves. Or focus on more med kits in a station on lockdown or outbreak. Maybe the numbers of NPCs might be higher in high traffic systems and lower in remote stations local news keeps traffic uh, keeps track of ship traffic little things like having different plant types tables or things like where apex keeps its luggage trolley stored and what kind of crates it has on it as well as where npcs congregates in the bar one of the biggest challenges when doing living spaces from the first or third person is that players will very quickly get copy pasta fatigue if the interiors all look the same. It's much, much higher than with just larger systems like airports or space stations exterior. We tend to expect those things to be similar due to process and fabrication. But when it comes to living spaces, the life is to have very high level of variety to make them feel unique because all it takes is just having a running trend where an empty fast food wrapper always appears the same place on the floor for it to break the sense of immersion. We're very keen on picking up repetition on patterns for things we know shouldn't have been. That's why we know it's weird to have Sleepy Pete in every bar and every station, or why it's weird to have every Pioneer shop have the exact same clutter and the exact same shelves. We'll accept architectural repetition because there's a logic behind it. If you looked at 10 Honda Civics from the same year, you'll accept the fact that they look almost identically from the exterior. Yet, if you look at the clutter on the inside of 10 random cars, your brain will flat out reject the idea that each would have the same laundry basket filled with the same clothes in the same spot and have the same drink in the same cup holder. Proc Gen, if done right, 
goes unnoticed by the average person. GTA 5 is a great example. There's hundreds if not thousands of different NPC combinations that get seeded based on the region, time of day, and other factors on the fly as you move around in the game. Typically don't much think about why the people on the benches are all wearing the beach clothes, but the game is smart enough to switch over to having people in sports attire if you hit the tennis courts. Love them or hate them, Rockstar has become the experts on using procedural generation on large-scale NPC populations, and while it might not be feasible to ask them uh, to get that good overnight, I think it would be great if we see Frontier take some inspiration or hints from this. That was phenomenal feedback from uh, my guy Defcon001, and I just wanted to shout that out. We're skipping... Yep, we're skipping state of the game because, as we said, we're not going to rate a half-cooked product. So we're going to, at the very least, wait. And the first state of the game that we're going to give is going to be on May 19th. And that's going to be state of the launch. And then, honestly, state of the game is going to be an eh, iffy thing until a couple months down the line when we see how they start to fill this out. But in the meantime, we're going to sign off and share our love with you. Let's start with Roy. Say say goodnight to the beautiful people. Lock casual, stay dangerous. Right on. Tweaked. Thanks for hanging with us tonight. Shashbak. Nanu nanu. Nanu nanu. Wolf. I hope everyone has a good time, even though I have crap swamp internet. <laughs> Actually, you didn't robot at all for that line. That was awesome. Switch. I just want to say thank you very much. Fly dangerous. Oh, seven commanders. Right on. And I'm going to say watch the doors and corners, kid. That's where they get you. And as Bill and Ted once told us, be excellent to each other. That's a fact, Jack. Control place out. Everything I wanted Not like it seems And if I'm being honest It could have been a nightmare To anyone who might care Thought I could fly So I stepped off the golden Nobody cried Nobody even noticed I saw them standing right there I kinda thought they might care Oh, I had a dream I got everything I wanted But when I wake up I As long as I'm here, no one can hurt you. Don't wanna lie here, but you've learned to. If I could change the way that you see yourself, you wouldn't wonder why we're here. They don't. Somebody's daughter could have been a nightmare 
I saw them standing right there And it feels like yesterday was a year ago But I don't want to let anybody know Cause everyone wants something from me now And I don't want to let them down And you say I got everything I wanted